Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back. If you've been before, if you haven't, if this is the first time you've stumbled across it, be prepared to be disappointed by me for a few minutes, but then dazzled by our special guest today. Another show, only one show this week that didn't have a guest, and those of you that tolerated me yesterday saw me uh, tearing into heavy hitters such as Thomas Hobbs and John Jack Russo and talking about why I disagree with them. Today, you've got a similarly lofty character, the enigmatic Tom Jessen will be joining us um, to talk a little bit about sciatica, but mainly about filtering news and how he goes about his news diet being uh, sort of uh, digested in a time of, of, of fake news and, and controversy and how he keeps so productive, as many of you have noticed he has been over the years that he's been on the scene. So I want to bring him in. But before I do, I want to... Uh, now, I've been working with Tom for a little while, met him as a student and uh, and, and, and seen him grow into the, the, the wonderful uh, character that he is. Um, he's, we've just been laughing about the fact that he said photos follow you around. Uh, he said uh, that's uh, definitely true. This photo follows him around a little bit. This one's from the Physiomatters website, which also means when I was thinking about how do I introduce Tom Jessen, for those that don't know him, I thought, why not use the blurb that is on the Physio Matters website, which is that we found him in Northumbria and he soon fled to Texas, considered one of the brightest young minds in the MSK industry. Thomas turned his hand to understanding and translating sciatica research. His perchamp for evidence, velvet Geordie accent and sharp wit are the telltale signs of being groomed, sorry, mentored by Rob Tyre. And so without further ado, after that introduction, may I bring you, hopefully this works, Tom Jessen, everyone. Hello. Can you hear me all right, Tom? I can hear you very well. Thanks, Jack. Let's yeah. Thanks for that. having me. Oh, no bother. Can the, let's see. Can the, world, can the world hear you? That's the main thing. It looks like our Hello, friend David, David Poulter has, uh, has said bonjour. So hopefully that means that everyone's coming through loud and clear. Um, Please to get your questions in. If you've got any questions for Tom, any questions for me, any abuse from yesterday's show, uh, especially at the end of it, where uh, some controversy got stirred, then please do send your comments. I want to jump in, Tom, and, and one of the questions that I continue to get from people, uh, even though we did a big Physio Matters podcast about this, um, people still are really interested as to what it is about sciatica that has really got between your teeth and you've really got stuck into it. So I wonder if you'd mind answering that again. Yeah, and Nina asked me this as well on our recent podcast, and um, I gave I like kind of reeled off a list of reasons. Although I was kind of aware, I was just making them up as I was going along. I don't like really know why. Um, this is all very philosophical, but it's probably the best place for it. I don't know how much insight we really have into why we're interested in things, but for whatever reason, um, sciatica has been it for me. I could say that it's because I've had a bit of sciatica myself, which obviously makes it a bit feel a bit more real because uh, it's a, one of the things that is hardest like to get your head around when you're a junior um, and and also probably just a sense of um, I can be quite particular about wanting to get things right sometimes um, maybe to the point of being pedantic which I think might have been the kind of gateway into it you know all that stuff about radicular pain radiculopathy um, that makes pe some people's eyes glaze over completely. But I love that stuff, um, kind of what word means what. Uh, so I think that as well was kind of a bit of a gateway. But then also just it's just like um, there's this sort of reinforcing thing, isn't there, of we're going to talk about Twitter a bit today, aren't we? And 
mm. you know, it, it helps kind of um, get you get this kind of runaway momentum of things because you've got this immediate feedback of people saying, you know, that's interesting what you're doing. And, you know, um, we're all human. We like it when people kind of react well to, you know, what we're, what we're saying and what we're putting out there. So it's probably just like a, a loop where it could have been anything, but because some people seem to be finding it useful as well, that gives it that extra momentum to to keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'd seen that. And I saw, you know, it's the, essentially you tried putting cat videos on, you took some <laughs> raunchy selfies, they weren't yeah. catching fire, but the sciatica material just went off. And yeah. so it's then it's then just been fueled by the mob. Um, I, well, I hoped that part of your answer would be in that direction, and I suspected it would be with regards mm-hmm. to the particulars on detail. Like you, you are someone, and I'm not. I'm I'm definitely not as um, as particular or accurate because I'm not as smart as you. But I definitely am bothered about the use of words as if synonyms when they're not, and the fact yeah. that that can then lead to confusion. And so I'm not surprised that that definitely played in why you're interested there. But I definitely wanted to, and that that will be a link to our later conversation about. You know, because that is, I imagine, one of the things that fuels a lot of, uh, of the behavior around how you manage to filter information and, and why you, you consider accuracy to be important and that, that you uh, are considered to be somewhat averse to, to spin for various reasons. But before we get stuck into that, I want you to talk a little bit about this latest piece that you've actually had published um, and uh, be fair to call it a narrative review. Um, and that is something that, you know, great for you to, to, to work with, with Nina, no doubt again. Um, but just tell us a little bit about that. And, and as I'll post a link to it in the, uh, in the chat for those that are watching wherever you get Yeah. yeah so uh, this was, um, as maybe some people know, I moved to America actually a year ago now. And, um, before I moved, I knew there'd be this period where like, without going into all the details, like you can't work until you've converted your visa into a green card and um, obviously that period's been much longer because of COVID and everything which I couldn't foresee that but I knew there'd be a period where I couldn't um, practice and I couldn't even work at all so say well how am I going to kind of keep myself busy and sort of keep myself productive and you know uh, sow some seeds for the future basically um, in that time and I thought well it'd be nice to do a bit of research because I kind of um, just to be a bit more rigorous about things you know you get get my teeth into something so i contacted anina and i had had this i you know had this idea i said would you like to do a review on this topic she said no that's a crap idea but here's a better one and that's what we ended up doing so there's her idea and um kind of she um helped me through it uh, because it is kind of you know, obviously writing one of these things is very different to actually reading it. And there's a lot that kind of goes into making it. And I roped in my mate Niels as well from, from Connect to help with bits of it too, mm. um, who, who has quite a lot of experience as well doing these things. So we did a narrative review, of, as you say, semi-systematic, whatever that means, narrative review of um, treatment, physiotherapy treatment for uh, peripheral neuropathic pain. Um, and as is the way of these things, it was submitted months ago, so I haven't actually read it for a long time. But we chose two sort of um, exemplar conditions, um, chemotherapy-induced um, peripheral nerve pain and uh, sciatica, radicular pain. And um, kind of just went through the evidence for exercise and manual therapy um, and what kind of what we find from them. 
And focusing on the, the sciatica thing, because I think it's probably what most people are, are interested in, although we do sort of try to compare and contrast the two. Um, we found, I guess, I can kind of uh, try not to use too much academic language and just describe like, like my honest impressions. Um, a fair amount of papers of like very mixed quality. So some like you've already kind of read the introduction and you're kind of thinking, I'm not sure about this one. And some that are like really impressive and like really well done and you like take your hat off to the researchers. All showing like pretty, uh, I'd say, I'd say disappointing, but like it's sort of a bit of a repeated theme, isn't it? That often these things don't like translate into research like effect sizes that we would expect them to do fairly disappointing effects of quite quite small effects for the treatments that have been studied so far and if we wanted to get a bit more granular about that with radicular pain in particular there was um usually when you do these things because of like you read that research is often biased towards finding an effect and like you know, just by value virtue of doing the research, you often find what you're looking for. Yeah. So you usually expect to find, even if you study like homeopathy or something, a small effect. So I was actually really surprised that in the studies for um, core stability or core retraining for sciatica, there was almost no effect. It was absolutely tiny, uh, the difference between the intervention groups and the control groups uh, across all but one of these studies. And the, the one that was that found an effect was... Have I gone blurry? Hang on, yeah. turn it off again. Let me turn it camera off and I don't know why. My my uh, signal looks like it's dropped off. I don't know why that would throw yours off. But... That's weird. Give it a second, maybe it'll come in. But that that was kind of the first thing is like that there's there's not even like crap misleading evidence for the <laughs> core stability you know, motor control thing. It's just like isn't it just isn't there. Um so that was like quite a clear message. And then there was a slightly more encouraging sort of picture for the neurodynamic um, stuff. But again, it was it was still quite small. And we were quite careful to say that actually at a point in our review, which is like these effects are benefits between group differences, I should say, are quite small. And it, it might be that it's not the best use of your time if you have multiple sessions with someone. I actually fell in love with Anina Schmidt's work from a 2015 narrative review in manual therapy about entrapment neuropathy mm -hmm. and and i found myself being surprised at that because at that point i was really into the, the what was considered the hard science rather than it being the translated material type stuff and, and, mm -hmm. and but what she did in that that really she blended this notion of mechanism of effect and what we feel is going on and why then interventions might be logically plausible or less so and I feel like that's what you've managed to do a bit of here in a sense, in a classically Tom Jesson way, is that you've not said it directly, but it's kind of that why would we expect motion control and core stability to have an yeah. influence on this pathology when we now understand its mechanisms of, of, of action as well as what, what we would be trying to achieve with regards to what you highlight as being nerve health being the primary primary thing you're trying to positively influence do you, is that purpose is that purposeful and do you see that as being part of why your translation work seems to be i feel that one of the reasons um, admittedly that it's taking off is because you're really weaving those things together um before i let me faff about with my camera i'm really sorry about this i think it is my camera all right i got um because i've, I've been talking to um 
very important people such as Anina Schmidt and recently Mark Lasler. So I got myself a webcam so I would look professional. <laughs> and then you forgot, to, you, forgot well. you set it to Vaseline filter <laughs> or something of you. But this from your, from your other web chats that you do in the evenings. I think. You can see my hand quite clearly if anyone wants to yeah, see no, that. It's just not focusing. Um, properly is it to get the screwdriver out mysterious it's like i'm in, in, yeah. in, interviewing a criminal shall i take your name <laughs> off <laughs> as far as i can tell the audio is still fine no one's been yeah. complaining so we're, we're gonna need to just crack on um, yeah. but uh, unfortunately yes you are blurred but go on Sorry, try, mate. try and get back to me a question so the question was like it it was a, i couldn't quite understand it it was about am i weaving together stuff? i was i was admitting to my interest in that area from Nina and then from you is that you're weaving together this notion of mechanism of effect and recognizing that that should influence what we feel are plausible or not treatments. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that was it your intent with two questions really it was was it your intention to do that? And also, do you agree with me that that is one of the things that makes your work seem to be really interesting? Sorry, I'm with you. Yeah. So I think it is because, and it's interesting to me if I were to add one more thing to what what you said. <laughs> about um like why is that interesting is because it is it does have that thing you can get your teeth into which is for want of a better term this will annoy people there's still some bio in the biopsychosocial uh so you you know there's a lot to get your teeth into there's a ton of sort of mechanistic studies in poor old pigs mm -hmm. and rats and things so you can start constructing these this idea in your head of what actually is going on in the in the nerve um but, uh, and, and then you can start linking that to treatment as well. But that's obviously where things get a little bit dicey. Um, it's this like history of medicine is scattered with examples of plausible mechanisms of effect that didn't translate into effective treatments. Um, so I do try and catch myself sometimes. I think there's definitely a thing like as you learn more and more about something and as I'm trying to do like, communicate that, um, it's very easy to stop building i don't know what the phrase like castles in the sky and kind of these you know mm. once you know there's one thing in learning something or reading something you know but once you translated it into your own words and then sort of even if you're very speculative about it you start to believe it just from saying it yourself and being exposed yeah. to it and and forget that there's so much doubt around these things so I think we tried to avoid that in our review. We, we gave some like suggestions about the ways that the mechanisms might inform more plausible treatments. So one of them was simply that maybe just getting the blood going since ischemia is, or you know, venous congestion is quite a predominant mechanism in probably many instances of radicular pain. Just getting the blood going with general exercise, it'd be really interesting to see what that did. Um, and there's a lot of studies, again, with all the usual caveats in rats and mice to show that you know just swimming or walking is you know um, effective for peripheral nerve lesions and patients often say in my experience you know all I had to do is swim or walk you know once I had that I was kind of I was you know I was in the right direction um, so I think that the mechanisms definitely like do shed that light and they make you kind of it's really helpful to to understand the most likely mechanisms because it helps you not to fall for the bullshit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but then you have to also kind of stop yourself into thinking, well, in that case, doing this will definitely work or, you know. Yeah, you don't want to get carried away on a theme. It's easier for it to be refuting rather than it being promoting it. I, I do agree. As you know, um, and, and many of the listeners will know, because uh, I go on about it all the bloody time, I had an episode 
uh, of which it really disrupted my life for a time with sciatica, led to me needing to have spinal surgery, and I've unpacked that on a podcast at full length. But as you can imagine, time passing means that the more work you do in that space and the more uh, interested I am in that for various reasons, means that I'm always playing rewind and trying to reflect on whether or not my decision making or, or, or my story would have been influenced differently by better information from mm. myself and others, etc. And, and um, Michelle Angus, she were never uh, going to say it explicitly, but you know, I think both on and off air, she sort of felt that I'd maybe been a bit, I could tell that she sensed that I was being a bit cavalier sometimes with how I'd gone about managing that. Um, and so I think that if I'm feeling that uh, as a, with, with a patient hat on of a sorts, um, then I can so imagine that many others are. And so you're having great influence in that direction across various different stakeholder groups, if you dare call it that. But generally speaking, that your work is translating really well. And I want to thank you for doing it, but also really, really try and encourage you to, to continue to, because it is, it is fascinating and it's affecting many people um, in, in many ways. So for those that haven't yet, then please do. We've put the, we've put the uh, link there on the, on the chat. Uh, wherever it is you're listening to this, apart from I think maybe if you're on Twitch or, or LinkedIn, then you probably won't be able to click that, but you'll be able to find it easy enough on Tom's social media, of course, as well. Just pull that up as being what you're looking for. Physiotherapy for people with painful peripheral neuropathies, a narrative review of its efficacy and safety. Um, so yeah, please do check that out. But what I wanted to, to move us on to then, Tom, is you've hinted a few times on Twitter and and. I think because I know from from off air chats we've had over the years means that I know you're thoughtful in this direction. Is that you? You really make a conscious effort to filter both professionally and personally on using technological solutions. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I get. Yeah, you're giggling there. Is that because it makes you sound paranoid? No, yeah, because it's it kind of yeah. I worry it makes me sound a bit obsessive, but I think I get quite. I don't know, overwhelmed is the right word, but it's too much information sort of buzzing around. Like, um, it makes me antsy and um, un unhappy. So, like, even even sort of being a if there's, I have a huge amount of trouble if someone's talking on the phone, even in the distance, or you know that kind of thing. Um, people's phones being in and stuff like that really kind of just shakes. It sounds very precious, but it's always, it's always kind of shaken my you know sense of being able to concentrate on anything so for social media um it's similar like I, I it's twitter is incredible and like it's um not wanting to sound like an oscar speech but it, it allows me to do every kind of thing that's important to me like write these papers and like talk to people and have people like david sort of tell me when i'm wrong and help me out with stuff it's amazing but um I found that I've had to keep pretty tight reins on it um, to stop myself from going crazy. Yeah. And what do you do? Um, so I just from like a, a, a basic sort of time level. So I have like a time blocker on my laptop, which is like doubly necessary now that like I work, work from home, don't have a job. Um, and it's called freedom and it um it, i fall into this sort of thing where it unblocks twitter for me for half an hour at 7 p.m and then on all day on saturdays which just seems to work for me which means i can kind of dip in i get what i want from it at that time um and then 
I'm not sort of tempted to go on in the evening because I do find it, I've never been like a compulsive Facebook user, never been interested in Instagram, but Twitter, like I could just scroll that for hours. And like, I know that about myself. So it's like Odysseus sort of tying himself to the mast. It's just like, I know not to allow myself to do that. Um, And then once I'm on Twitter, there's certain sort of Chrome plugins you can get that hide. I don't even know what they look like anymore because I've had them hidden, but it's like the sidebar of like drama and rage where it's just like the latest thing that Trump has done or the latest thing Corbyn is, I haven't heard from him for a while actually. Um, And then there's also the things that it, that pops up on your timeline. So if um, David likes something um, to do with something I don't particularly want to see, because that's not what I'm, I'm on Twitter for, um, then that often pops up in your timeline. Um, and if you kind of aggressively tell Twitter you don't want to see that, it will stop showing you that stuff for a few months and then try and show you it again. Right. Um, retweets are often, I find, like not that high value. Um, so I follow people because I want to hear what they have to say. Um, some people are careful with retweets and some people it's quite, um, they seem to just kind of retweet everything that gets that they kind of react to. And I don't want to also react to that. So it's just about, I don't know a better word for it, but being intentional uh, with my Twitter use. I know why I'm on Twitter, which is uh, physiotherapy, which probably like, um, that's kind of what I want to get from it um, is to learn from the amazing people that I follow and to like, hopefully give something back. Um, and I find that I, I'm not on Twitter for the news. I think it's probably a pretty bad way to get the news. It's probably just going to put you in this sort of swirling pool of rage that everyone else is in. If you get the news that way. Um, yeah. And so I, I try to de- like defend myself from, from that a little bit. Um, but I do also have like, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there in case you want to go away. I mean, there's a few different things. I mean, we're certainly going to be out of time for me to ask all yeah. of the, the, the dozen of very long questions that you can imagine I want to ask. But but one thing that I do want to clarify is when you're, um, a lot of this that, you've, that you're doing precedes a, a fairly recent phenomenon of, of interest in that direction off the back of the Netflix social social dilemma uh, documentary of which is very good don't get me wrong but there are uh, it feels like a, a fair reactionary bandwagon effect where people want to try and instigate some of these behavioral changes without actually reflecting on their own there, there are some yeah. low-level self-control responsibility features that they could reflect yeah. on the fact that they've been part of the hype machine in my opinion mm. but, but i want to know your sort of take on that have you seen it and, and do you feel like that reaffirm some of what you were thinking or do you think that that actually plays it in a different angle i haven't seen it um i have seen stuff like it though and um i think i've heard from the people who were interviewed in in the documentary um so i I think i have an idea of what it's probably saying um there's certainly a thing out there that i wouldn't i wouldn't want to like give too much credence to which is the kind of um the addiction hypothesis. I think there's this idea that the, that these kind of mavens, these puppeteers in Silicon Valley, have designed this eternal sort of scrolling slot machine that we're all now addicted to. And it's definitely addictive properties of social media. And sometimes I've like kind of look up at the clock and think, what what have you been doing for the last hour? But I think we don't want to like we don't we don't want to dichotomize things too much. Um, 
there's, there's we don't want to go and live in a log cabin type of thing and i would have no intention of like coming off twitter because it's given me so much like in my life um so i think that there's sometimes a, a dangerous narrative as, as well of you know these things are addictive and exploitative um around facebook there's all these things about them about it swaying the election i don't see much evidence that well it's another topic but I think you've well, got no, to be it's irrelevant. It's, re- it's actually a relevant overlap for this mm. topic, and, and one that I wasn't going to ask you about specifically on your take on that. But it's definitely that I want to reaffirm that that frustrates me too. And I think we, you know, unsurprisingly in a way, I think we have sort of touched on this over the years. Really, is that this 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 the way in which a far end of that narrative strips the autonomy of individuals in such a way that that we are literally puppets on string mm. in such a way, and admittedly a third to a half of the documentary can't help but move in that direction okay in yeah. fact they, 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 and, and that's what's been a bit of a shame did you follow session baron cohen's intervention for example last year whereby he really he really stepped up and and uh, and sort of suggested that um you know the, the core headline from from what he did where he was making a speech and said that if uh, if the nazis were around now then facebook could be running ads uh, for for their mm. for their propaganda in such a way as long as they paid enough in such a way as if to say we are all in the process of being manipulated and and that the when you followed his logic all the way down it was it was very much an anti free speech stripping mm. people of their autonomy to even think and that people needed to have things filtered otherwise that they, they were just you know, that the plebs are going to revolt and do things wrong again and and that's hard because this there's a, there is a there 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 is some manipulation occurring but I don't feel the solutions and from what I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like there is an argument that I sometimes see from your stuff that you don't want things to get carried away in that direction too yeah. far. So how, where is the middle ground? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a sort of, it's a self sacrificing argument as well, because like we all, like we're all part of the great computer in the sky now. Like and it's, it, it, it's just, we can't avoid it. Um, and it's good for you to be part of it. You know, it's got me lots of opportunities and things. Um, and, and 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 as you say, there's this kind of um, almost kind of religious sort of dichotomizing between like this sacred space of your log cabin away from social media and the profane space of social media. And like you don't want to you don't want to go for that too much. I just try and be a pragmatist. Like uh, I say, like I I know what um, Twitter is there for me for, um, and I I love that it does that. Um, I and so that's why I kind of set out these these rules for myself and these slight like kind of limits on the way it appears for me um, so that I can use it in the same way. And I think that's often like something people miss is, is this kind of like reactive um, uh, way of using social media. Like you can, you can change these tools and you can change like the way they act for you. Um, I've mentioned him again, Dave is an incredible example of that because he uses Twitter like almost like a, a filing system like a slip box or something like he's got a tweet for everything and like he it's incredible like what he he does with it so i would say just to kind of in the same way that if you were using excel like when i see people who can use excel um when i use excel i think what is this tool for like i can add using google because i don't know how to do all the incredible things that excel does but i think if you kind of approach social media like that as a kind of tool that you can use there are they kind of hide them from you, but there are ways that you can, you know, mute this and change that, and um, you can be a bit creative with it. 
then it has this incredible sort of potential. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just about like, as you say, not um, giving up your agency too much and, you know, whilst being aware of the fact that you might be particularly compulsive in this manner, like I am. Um, but then, yeah, just um, okay, using it with in intention is such a corny term. Is that like a mindfulness word? I don't know. Why no, I I think, having I've this never, intention about what you're doing. I've never thought of it that way, but actually, yeah, if you were to go in and comply with it in, in such a, in, in a not passive way, but essentially just, just go and, and, and almost follow it through in a, in a base level. There is a difference between that and then coming in with some goals that you might perceive that this might help you to achieve and then helping and, and trying to utilize it to shape and drive towards those. There is a very different intention to that and I can imagine it being used in a different way. So that's a really good way of putting it. And I'll, I'll definitely need to think on that myself as to how much I am a, a slave to certain processes and how much on other in other circumstances i can already think of ways in which i use platforms probably more intentionally as you're describing and, and other, you know so it's a, it's a balancing act we are out of time mate uh, but i i've got one thing that i can't help but want to just uh, see if we can do a bit of extra time on which is that you've never seemed to comply with what people um often like to point out with regards to msk and healthcare twitter as if to suggest that that is actually a a representation of the hate pool that can exist in 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 current affairs um I've, I've witnessed you occasionally put up an appropriate defense to say mm. i just don't recognize the fact that it's a really hostile atmosphere mm. and i do i do agree with you there and i found it a frustrating and difficult thing for me as a as a sort of attention seeking extrovert and potentially someone that is accused in that space it's challenging for me to do it so for you as a thoughtful more introverted and and seen as being a, a real leading light in a, in a more measured space, I've been heartened to see that you don't buy that narrative either. Mm. No, I mean, it can it can feel like that when you're in the trenches, can't it, on mm. some days. But again, I think that's often a, a result of um, that less than intentional way of, oh, I'll follow this person, I'll follow this person. And, no. But, I th but I, you know, I still feel like that. I've been very frustrated lately because I think not necessarily the aggression, and this is just the thing in, in my, like I don't actually mind the aggression and the rudeness. I think that's always been part of life. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, you know, it, it, it's that, again, it's another topic and I'm, I'm trying to speak quickly and failing because I know we're three minutes over time, but like I, I don't really go in for the whole um, argument of, of like the propriety and manners argument. I think that can often obscure obscure things and we should have people get we should allow people to get angry and, and at mm. times i think that's important but but sometimes it's the passive aggressiveness that, that bothers me or mm. the kind of the circularity of, of sometimes like there's so much incredible information out there there's so many different perspectives you can take on things and sometimes it does seem very circular you know you mention a and someone will event inevitably come and mention b um and c because <laughs> Feel like you've missed out b and c and you've forgotten about the brain or you've forgotten about this and that yeah. i think so i think i very much sympathize with you know with the frustrations and it just like just like anything when you're in the trenches it is frustrating but then i feel like when i zoom out it's obviously of incredible value like that you can talk to you know i can talk to you like we wouldn't probably wouldn't know each other would we 
Possibly not. No, a, a, an angry student frustrated at the gap between what he was being taught in his syllabus and what he was witnessing from the outside, yeah. including on our show. And so uh, that's how we met. And so, yeah, I mean, people say we met on Twitter. I always argue we met on Tinder. I forget which <laughs> which, which came first. But thank you so much as ever for your time, yeah. mate. And we, we, the, the country misses you. Uh, the MSK needs you. So keep up the good work. And, uh, and hopefully we can chew it over another time. I drag you out of bed yeah. early for us to do this yeah. again sometime, mate. All right. Thanks, mate. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. All Thanks the best. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.